Get out there and tell somebody about Jesus. How's everybody doing today? Come on, somebody. Nothing's sticking anymore. Well, can't work in my office today. It's flooded. Man, there is just a good vibe happening today. Welcome to the podcast, everybody. This is Podcast 58, and uh, nobody's coming in hot today. Nope. I'm not hot on anything. No, <clears throat> I'm a little, bit, uh, a little bit tired more than hot today. I don't know why. It's hard to get hot when you're tired. <laughs> it is. Yeah, it's hard, it's hard to be really upset about something when you're really tired. That or it's hard to stay upset, but it's, hard, it's easy to get upset, you know? Just, I'm, I'm not, like, tired like... Like uh, fed up, tired. Right. No, I'm just. You're not irritated, tired. No, 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 no. I'm just. Eh, got low energy. <laughs> just tired. <laughs> just a normal work week. Yeah. At the end of the work week, I'm just tired. I bet everybody out there listening, if you're listening, at the end of the work week, I bet you're tired like you're, we are. You're probably tired just like <laughs> we are. Yep. But no, I'm in a good mood though. I'm tired, but I'm in a good mood. Oh, I'm excited for the Labor Day weekend. Oh yeah, me too. I'm excited for football. I think there's a football game tonight. Tonight? And I know there's some on Saturday. Yeah. Yep. Oh, yeah. College football is, I think, has a game tonight. I think there's games Friday. I think, and then, of course, there's games Saturday. And then, oh, And then a week from today. Thursday. Next Thursday, baby. How can I be hot when in seven days the Lions play the opening game for the NFL opening. Thursday night against the Kansas City Chiefs? Opening game of the NFL. Shock the world, baby. We're going to shock the world. Shock the world. I'll, I'll be honest. I think we're going to lose to the Chiefs. But here's the question, though. You you think we're going to lose, but could you see a situation where the Lions will win? I could see a situation where the Lions win. That's fine. And I'm, I think I'm in that boat. And I can also see a situation where the Lions come out and lose but play a very good game. So you think it's going to be a close one? I think it's going to be a good game. Yeah. And I think if the Lions come out and play a good game, even if they lose to the Chiefs, that they're proving that they're a real team. I think the Lions are going to win. You think the Lions are going to win? I think they're going to win the game. Yes. I do. Why do you think the Lions are going to win? Do you think they want it more? Uh, no. It has nothing to do with desire or a wish. Okay. I think I can make a case based upon actual football reasons. Okay. Uh, one reason is Kansas City Chiefs is without their best defensive player. Yes. Yes, they are. Um, he's he's sitting out because he wants a new contract. Yep. That's a big deal. Okay. Um, then another reason I think the Lions are going to win is because – They've completely revamped their defense mm -hmm. and oh, yeah. replaced all their questionable players that weren't playing super good last year with actually talented defensive players. Yeah. That gives me a reason to say I I think our defense will sh – our defense should be ranked 15th or higher. Yeah, that's pretty good. That's way better than last year. I, I, I think we ended the last year like almost the worst defense in the league. Yeah. Although the numbers are a little are a little skewed because they played so bad at the beginning of the season. Yes, they pay, played terrible at the beginning of the season. It, it almost made no difference how the 
second half went, the numbers just were skewed so negative right. that the averaged out to still be one of the worst defenses in the league. Correct. But at the end of the year, they were playing quite well. Yeah, they were playing much better. So those are my reasons that I think the Lions okay. are going to win the game. I think that here's, – here's what I think. I think that if the game was in Detroit – I think the Lions would have a really good chance of of potentially beating the Chiefs. Yeah. Because we're playing in Kansas City, I'm not Kansas City just has a has a vibe to it and it's hard to beat Kansas City in Kansas City regardless of which team you are. Yeah. I know. Um so that's that I'm just I'm just throwing that out there like the funny thing though is <laughs> for the first time ever I have Actual reasons the Lions <laughs> could win the game, right? <laughs> so all the years before, it was like anything could happen, <laughs> right? And it never actually, it never did. actually happened. But you, you had to believe if you wanted yeah. to be a Lions yeah. fan, you had to believe. You had to have this little bit of, no, of a fool's I, hope. I'm not joking. You essentially to be a Lions fan, you told yourself lies about your team. <laughs> Yep, you would. You're like, oh, it's possible that today <laughs> our running back will turn into a different player <laughs> and just run for 150 yards. I say and rush for over 100 yards yeah. and have a great game. Yeah. yeah, he could do it. He could do it. He's an athlete. He's a human. He could do it. Those are my reasons. He's a human athlete. He could do it. <laughs> Those are the reasons. <laughs> That's how it was like being a Lions fan for a lot of years. Oh, yeah. But now it's actually – there's actually reasons now. Right. There's real reasons. There are. There are real reasons. There's have, real reasons. They they actually have talented offense. They they, they have a completely revamped defense. Yeah. So um, I have actual reasons, yeah. and that makes me feel pretty good. So, yeah, I think they're going to win the game. Yeah. I think – I've been talking to some some <laughs> other some older Lions fans, um, uh, people kind of m- my dad's age and older who have been Lions fans their whole life, and just you know besides the few years where sure. Barry Sanders was awesome, you know they just kind of suffered. You know you know those those guys who uh, I know I know multiple of like my friends' dads who every time we watch the Lions game with them, they just talk about Barry Sanders and, like, that era. Yeah. You know, like, those guys? Yeah. Herman so, Moore! <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. Lomas Brown. Uh-huh. Yep. <laughs> Jerry Ball, Lomas Brown. Jerry Ball. <laughs> Scott Mitchell. Um, yeah, I'm not joking. Like, I know. Every, yeah, you watch the game with those guys, and those are the players who come up. Um, but I've been talking to some of those guys, and, you know, they're a, a little bit – a little bit uh, pessimistic sometimes about the Lions. Yeah, I know. Um, but I was, I've talked with, I think, three or four of them now who have said the biggest difference, because, you know, sometimes you come out and there's there can be this ridiculous hype around your team. Hope is not a reason for a, a winning team as a um, fan. Like, oh, I hope they're good. I hope they turn out good. No, you've got to have more than that. You actually have to have real reasons why your team might be good. Yeah. The Lions have that this year. Right, and, and they've, they've actually said, I've heard – at least three guys say this same thing. They said the difference is that not only do the Lions have talent on their team because they've had incredible talent on their team before, but he said now they've said now the Lions have a coaching staff that is able to put pieces together yeah. and actually create a team that 
has potential to win games. Yeah. Not just a team that has talented players. Yeah. I, I agree. I, I'm right there with you. I agree. I'm it's it's no longer like it used to be a Lions fan who's like you drink the Kool-Aid. <laughs> And, and like you're going down, you're, you're with it. You're going down with the ship. Yeah. So the Kool Aid is like the cult Kool Aid, which uh-huh. is the joke oh, uh, yeah. from the cult that they all drank the Kool Aid and died. Um, you're drinking the Kool Aid. That were there's no Kool Aid this year. It's actual like it's legit. So jump on the bandwagon. All fans are welcome. I, I will bandwagon fans and all. I want them all. Oh yeah. Let's I want them it. all. Come on, get on board with me. Lions are going places. All right, let's. Ha- I'm I'm pumped about our topic, our actual topic. You know, not our like opening topic, our main topic for today. Um, we're going to talk about David. That's right. Now you were telling me before we hopped on the podcast that there was nine giants in David's life that that he had to face. Yeah, he conquered all of them but one. Yeah, and, and it was very. Evident now, when you mention it to me, I just started thinking through his life, yeah. And I'm like, that is real evident that he struggled and did not conquer this one giant. Mm-hmm. Do you have in front of you the some of the giants that he did conquer? Yeah, just so we have some examples. Yeah, I, I have the list, and just, just so everybody knows, I can't take credit. For all of this information I'm giving you right now, let's um, sort our <laughs> let's let's um, cite our sources. Yeah, not so... source our sites. <laughs> cite our sources here. I was gonna say let's source our sites or whatever. <laughs> no, so all this. Why do we record podcasts <laughs> at 3 p.m. on a Thursday? My brain does not work by 3 p.m. on a Thursday. Um, I, I'm pulling I'm pulling this this general idea these these nine giants from um, a book written by the man, Dr. Ron Cottle. Um, his his book, Anointed to Reign, the man, and uh, he also there was a, a CLST class that I took when I was in the Ignited Ministry Academy that went along with this book. I've actually read this book a handful of times after that, um, and so I've, I've taken this course. I've read this book. I've taken his second course and read his second book. I'm right there with you. He's yeah. the man, and this book is amazing. This, it, did we give the title of the book yet? It, it's Anointed to Reign. Yeah. And it is, it is amazing. Highly recommend it. It's so good. And we're going to go through a little bit of it today. We're going to go through a little bit of it today. Yeah, so a couple of the giants that David had to, had to face was he had to, uh, he had to find a king to serve. Um, he had the, the battle for integrity, which was a lot had to do with uh, taking down Goliath. Mm. That was in there. Um, he had to have compassion in the cave of Dulam, uh, which... That's a great – you could do a whole topic just on that. Um, he had to have courage and character born out of compassion, hmm. um, which I thought was – that's also – that's awesome. Um, later in his life, right before he became king over all of Israel, he had to learn how to cut a covenant with failure. Um, and then he also had to learn forgiveness and fame. Um, but there is one and, – and, and he talks about how he was able to conquer all of these things. Yeah. And these are giants that we all face. Yeah. These are good stuff. But then he said there's one early on in David's life that he never learned how to conquer, and it kept showing up over and over and over again, and he kept losing over and over and over again. And it was the search for intimacy. Wow. The search for intimacy. And when you said that out loud to me, I was like... Oh, whoa. 
whoa. And I started thinking through his, his relationships. Yeah. And I was like, oh, my gosh. That's powerful stuff. He, yeah. He didn't do well with intimacy. No. He, he never had a and, – and, and in the book, I'm, I'm just going to preface what I was going to say with this. In the book, Ron Cottle talks about two kind of two kinds of intimacy here. He's, he talked about sexual intimacy. And he also just talked about just like friendship intimacy, having a close companion. Mm. And even if you think about the only of, – of all of the relationships of David that we know about, the only one that was good – for a long time was his relationship with Jonathan. But then that fell apart when he he went into hiding for his life. Yeah. That would be um, traumatic. You finally have a friend. Yeah. And you have to run away from it. You have to leave, run away. Yeah. You have you, to leave. You have to run away. And the reason you have to run away is because his dad is trying to kill you. His dad. Your best friend's dad is trying to kill you. Yeah. So you finally, you finally have a friend, and somebody is forcing you away from that friend. Yeah. And and the Bible is clear that there was a a, a weeping when they had to depart from each other. Yeah. And a real serious, um, sadness. Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Oh man. And you think about David's right story right from the beginning. He's rejected by his family. Yeah. And you've got to you've got to see right there. Oh, we've got some baggage. Oh yeah. Uh, he's struggling uh, with identity, yep. love, acceptance. Oh man. Yeah. Right off the bat, and now it's going to affect pretty much every person he comes into contact with. Yeah. Now, right? And, yeah. Oh yeah. And I. <laughs> <laughs> I wanted to play off of something you just said because for some reason this I really distinctly remember and taking the class on this book, Ron Cottle talking about this, was that David did have some some baggage from his family. Absolutely. And then Ron well, Cottle talks about my how, gosh, it seems like every interaction he had with his family was negative. Was was terrible. Man. And then he says, but he never dealt with it very well. So then when Saul offers, this is really interesting. I'd never heard this before until Ron Cottle talked about this in the class. He said Saul offered his daughter to whoever could kill Goliath. Michael. That's his daughter's name. Right. But he was actually offered the firstborn daughter, which wasn't Michael. It was his older daughter. And that was who somebody was supposed to get if they won or if they beat Goliath. But then when David beat Goliath, Saul said, well, I'll give you Michael. Hmm. And David didn't fight for the older sister. Hmm. He settled for Michael because she was attracted to him. I wonder if deep down inside, he just was like, I don't deserve the older one. Right. And I think that's what Ron Cottle was talking about was, man, David never really learned how to deal with his baggage, and so he was willing to kind of settle or feel like he didn't deserve. Yeah, and his relationship with Michael was weird. Yes. It, so was, it was very strained. He <laughs> let's, let's just quickly paint this picture because he's, he's married to this woman, and then David has to run— but Michael doesn't go with him. 
Right. And then Saul to hurt David in, in, in another way, because Saul's so jealous and hunting down David to hurt David, um, he gives away Michael to a man named Pulte. Yeah. <laughs> and Pulte, we find out in Scripture, really, really loves Michael. Yeah. David comes home and essentially says, Michael, come home to me. I think he, she was with Pulte for 10 years. Yeah. The and, whole time he was on the run. Yeah. And he comes home and he says, Michael, come back to me. And she ag- agrees. So there's some sense here in this, within this story that Michael wants to be with David and starts to go towards, walk towards David or, or the journey, tor- journey towards David. And I think the Bible references that David did love Michael. Yeah. That he loved her. Why, if you love her, why aren't you fighting for her more? Like right. to be with you. You're gone for 10 years? Yeah. So Michael, it, Michael, David it, it is not healthy with relationships, does not know how to function in a healthy way yeah. in relationships. He should have fought for her more. He should have yes. protected her more. Absolutely. He's got a whole dysfunctional thing going here for sure. And and man, this insight that Cottle has into David's intimacy life is just—it's this powerful stuff. It is powerful stuff. And I think I think when we talk about we talk about a battle, though every every one of us has to fight. We all have to fight these other. We all have to, David had to take down Goliath too. He had to find somebody just to serve and be a servant to. Mm-hmm. He ha- he had to learn how to deal with failure. He had to learn how to forgive. He had to learn how to forgive. But. If there's this one battle that you continually are falling over and over and over and over again, I was talking with uh, a young adult recently here at the church, and I said, you know, I think David's probably two most famous stories are his, what we would consider one of his greatest successes, killing Goliath, and also one of his greatest failures Mm -hmm. was sleeping with Bathsheba. Mm -hmm. And I said, those are some of the, probably the two most famous stories in the life of David, and if you're not careful... If you don't know how to face a giant and you don't take it down early in life, it can come back to bite you big time later. I mean, what did <clears throat> what did David do wrong? Because at the start of his life, he didn't do anything wrong. He didn't deserve to be treated the way he was treated by his family. Right. So now he's he's got major wounds that he doesn't heal, heal from. Yeah, and they're major wounds that aren't fair. They're not, he didn't do anything wrong. He didn't deserve that. Mm-hmm. It wasn't, it wasn't anything that he did to, to create these wounds in his life. Yeah. But by the time he's a teenager, we already see he has some serious wounds, some serious baggage Yeah. Um, from his family. Uh-huh. And I think one of the biggest things is that he never, he never sought inner healing on that. And so, so later on in life, David's king. Uh, he's getting older. He hasn't figured out intimacy yet. Um, he f- he did have one relationship in his life that was seemed healthy, which was with Jonathan, um, but that's destroyed because of Jonathan's father. Yeah. So that's a wound now. So I'm sure he's guarded, and I'm sure he's um, jaded when it comes to. Relationships in general. Um, he's an older man now. He's got. I think the Bible says at this point, does he have a couple wives, which is not good. 
Yes. Yep. See, that's a bad sign right there. He's got a couple wives, which is against the um, the Lord. Yeah. That goes against the Lord. Um, so that's not good. And not only does he have a couple wives, but it appears that he's not investing well in with these women because <laughs> because he still longs for somebody else. Yeah. Um, and and so he's not he's not a very good husband. <laughs> no. I mean, what I, what do I mean by that? I, I, he's probably, I'm, I'm guessing here a little bit, but he, he's probably not having pillow talk with his wife, Michael, at night about his life and right. his thoughts and his heart, you know? <laughs> yeah. Like, he's probably not expressing to his wife or wives um, his thoughts. Right. I mean, that, so he longs for something else. Oh, there's a beautiful woman on, on the rooftop. His his idea of intimacy is not correct. Yeah. Obviously, he's got a dysfunctional um, view of sex. Yep. And, and a dysfunctional view of what, what a family unit looks like because he, yeah. he never had a good one to, to look at. That's good. That's good insight right there too. Mm-hmm. And then I think part of, part of David's issue too was that he let his – other or his success in other areas because in other areas David's success was was almost unmatched his military success was incredible his uh his leadership success was incredible you know you can read about how he took 300 uh broke disgusted busted like guys in debt like the the worst group of people that you can think of you'd want to be leading an army of yeah he gets 300 of them turns him into an elite fighting force. And in about 10 years, he has an army of like over 30,000. 300,000. 300,000, excuse me, 300,000 yeah. men. And so like his, his military success, his leadership success, his success in other areas, I think he let that overshadow this. And he said, well, I'm so successful here. I don't really need to work on these areas where I'm dysfunctional. I'm seeing something here too in David's life for the very first time. I'd like to preach on this. Study this out more. To lead these men to war, <clears throat> he had a leadership style about him. Yeah, that worked well to lead men in war. Oh yeah. Essentially, to lead a man in war, you have to rally them to to say, "I am willing to die." Yeah. So, if, and if you are surrounded by men who are willing to die, those men are not making intimate investments into each other. Yeah. So it's like self-protection. Like, yeah. I don't want to get too close to these men because they might not be here tomorrow. Right. <laughs> okay. That's a, there, there's a certain, that's a certain lifestyle of war, and that, that just goes with it. So we see here, though, that he's got a military leader, a man named Uriah, which happens to be the sp- the husband to Bathsheba. Yeah. And Uriah, the Bible says, is a faithful man to David. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Um, Uriah seems to have more of a functioning way about him when it comes to relationships. <laughs> yeah. I mean, you can see right away he's he's functional in his life. Right. Uh, <laughs> like, he, David says, come on home, Uriah. Yeah. 
uh, take a break. Yep. Uh, enjoy your wife. You've been away for a while. Yeah. And and what does Uriah do? He goes and sleeps on the doorstep, and he's like, I'm not going to go I- enjoy anything. Well, my men are sleeping in a tent on the battlefield. That thought doesn't even cross David's mind. Right. But we are we are shown into the into the heart of Uriah. He's f- a functional, intimate, uh, balanced human being, right? <laughs> and it throws David right off. Oh yeah, David's like, oh my gosh, this guy's a saint. Like, <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Yeah, I can't get this guy to to sin. Like I can't get this guy to like fail. Like okay, what I, I need to lure more bait in front of him, and he's not taking the bait. Like he's not falling for these tricks. But because David, David is willing to destroy a man who serves him. As it's clear, this man loves him. It's clear this man is willing to die for him, and all David sees is like a pawn in his scheme, a pawn yeah. piece or a rook in the chessboard that he can move around to win a battle. Yeah, He's got a terrible relationship with Uriah, even though Uriah in his mind thinks he's got a wonderful relationship with David. Yep. Wow. Wow. Yeah. And that's the trick right there. That's what killed Uriah. Uriah thinks he's got a wonderful relationship with David, and all David sees is a pawn piece in the chessboard. Wow. That's some insight right there. Be very here's the here's the message title. Be very careful who you decide to be friends with. They just might want to kill you. <laughs> I want to listen to that message. I know. I want to study <laughs> this. I want to study this out. Yeah. What think about Judas Iscariot? Yeah, he t- he something went wrong there with that man. Yeah, and you you know what's so interesting so about he, Judas? He did not have that intimacy with Jesus like the rest of the disciples had. And it's crazy because Judas had all the opportunities just like everybody else did. Yeah, and he's casting out demons. Yeah, healing people. Yeah, part of the twelve. He was on that boat when Jesus calmed the storm. Like, he had all those same moments, mm-hmm. but something wasn't there. And you, you can have the discussion about was he, was he predestined to, to deny Jesus? He but had a free will. Exactly. He did. He had a free will, which makes it important to understand that, that he was not a robot. Yes. And, and, and he, he, had, he had a choice to make. Yeah. Just like all of us do. If he was a robot, then he's not a human being, and there's no reason to send him to hell. Yep. Because he was just a robot. Right. Just but, like David. Just like yeah. David. David could have made choices to to learn. You know, you can you can lose a battle. You can get defeated. You can fail a test, and you can go back and retake the test. Learn what. Use what you learned in the failure to pass it the next time. But David never did that. David just kept making the same mistake over and over and over and over again. And I think that's one of the the, the biggest uh, failures that we see in David's life in this area, is that he never really learned from his mistake. A person who struggles with intimacy is a dangerous person. Hmm. Isn't that the only conclusion you can come up with? 
Yeah. Because if they're if they don't value any relationships, then how do they use relationships? Yeah, that's exactly it. They use relationships. We all use relationships, though, right? Right, but but, but like, how are they? They, they I, I don't know. I'm thinking it out. Yeah, I think Help they they use it in, in more of a, an abusive mindset. Yeah. It, I'm going to use this relationship to get whatever I can get out of it. That not that what anybody who struggles with intimacy, isn't that their mindset? Right. It's just like a self-protection mindset. Yes. They don't even understand that's the only way they can function. It's the only way they've learned. Total yeah. survival. Just, I got to, I got to, in the end, I got to come out on top somehow. Yeah. But other people who have conquered this giant of intimacy, they don't view relationships like how can I use this person to to win or how can I use this person to get ahead? How can I, once I once I view somebody as a threat, that's it. I'm done with them. Right, they're dead to me. I'm not going to kill them. Maybe naturally speaking, but <laughs> they're I'm cutting them off to the point where essentially I'm having a funeral for them in my mind. They're dead. Right, I'm done with them. Yeah, isn't that any person who struggles with intimacy, isn't that what the end of the road for them? Yeah, I think that's absolutely, I think that's the end of the road. And I think that's where uh, eventually uh, that starts to really hurt you. Oh, yeah. You're going you're gonna to get hurt if you are trying to get close to somebody who struggles with intimacy. Yeah. You're going to get hurt. Yep. Even think about... Just, I'll, I'll leave. I'll kind of end with this. We're wrapping up here. Think about the very end of David's life. If you read the end of Second Samuel, when David it says that David was old, and he would get cold at night. Did you? <laughs> I, I never thought about this until right now in this this conversation. Okay. None of David's wives were willing to lay down with him at night to keep him warm. Huh. The prophet had to go. A prophet? I think it's the prophet uh, Nathaniel. Yeah, Nathan. What or Nathan? Nathan. Nathan. Yeah, <clears throat> I think Nate. I think it was Nathan had to go and find. The Bible says a young girl to lay down next to David to keep him warm. Now, this is not a sexual experience. No, the Bible even clarifies that. It said they, they never. It was he, not nothing sexual. He's an old man. I mean, old men. You know. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. There you go. He, he, he's he's a pretty old man at this point. But the only way that he can stay warm is to have somebody lay next to him. Huh. Like he, he's on his deathbed here. Yeah. And none of his wives are willing to lay next to him to keep him warm. Mm. It just it's that's good insight into their love for him. Right. <clears throat> and and so losing to this giant over and over again not only hurts the people around you. Obviously, it, it hurt Michael, it hurt Uriah, it hurt Bathsheba. Like, it also ended up hurting David a lot. Mm-hmm. And so this is a giant that we need to face and we need to conquer. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Because even if you feel like, oh, but I've messed up, that's okay. You can learn from those mistakes and beat it this time. You can. You could take this giant down. Yeah. Oh, wow. It's been good to be with you today, audience. That was a great one. That was, this episode is brought to you by Dr. Cottle, <laughs> uh, anointed to rain. <laughs> <laughs>
we don't have any real sponsors, so <clears throat> that's our sponsor today. That's thank right. you, thank you, Dr. Cottle, the man. That's right, the man. Wow. All <laughs> right. Well, it's about a, what a great podcast. What a great podcast. What a great audience. Absolutely, I love it. See you on the next one. See you guys. Bye. Get out there and tell somebody about Jesus. How's everybody doing today? Come on, somebody. Nothing's sticking anymore. Well, can't work them off today. It's flooded. Man, there is just a good vibe happening today.